good. Welcome to Hill City. We're excited to have you here. Um, and we're just going to enter into a time of worship. So I just want to encourage you to close your eyes and just invite God in, in your own way. So I can't tell you what that looks like for you, but um, I can tell you if you do invite him in and you just say, God, speak to me today, that, that you'll hear his voice, that you'll feel his presence. And so let's just worship together today. God, we invite you into this place, God. If we don't invite you here, then everything else that we're doing doesn't even matter. So God, we invite you to speak to us. We invite your presence in Shadow Ridge Middle School at Hill City Church. And we just want to know you more today. Reaching out 
try not to take our own control that that it's a little bit easier right so let's just sing it one more time Jesus we just thank you that you're always there for us to go to let's sing it my heart my heart beating my soul breathing I found my life when I lay a bird falling, spirit soaring. I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground. When my knees hit. 
on. presence for just a moment. Your presence, Lord. Come on, just a little bit more. Your presence, Lord. We want your presence, Lord. Just take a moment just to spend time with God. Just be aware of Him. Oh, your presence, Lord. Whatever way you want to worship Him, just worship Him. We want your presence, Lord. We ask for you, God. We're here, God, with our hands up. You're right here in the room. experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory one more time let us let us become more aware of your presence let us experience everyone join in holy spirit holy spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory god is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Holy Spirit, you are right here, God. I pray right now that we understand you are right here in the room. We're not praying. We're not singing to someone far off in a distance and hoping they can hear us. You're right here in the room with us, Lord God, listening to our song. Come on, give him praise. If you're going to clap, give him praise. What's the point to being here but to, but to let you hear us, Lord God? for our voice to ring out to you, that you will hear our prayer, that you would hear our worship, Lord God, and it'd be sweet to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You guys can be seated. Just greet the person next to you. Greet the person next to you. Yeah. Tell them, I love your sweater. Anytime you raise your voice in worship, in singing, in giving, in living, I always think in my mind, and I have an attitude like, God, I'm going to bring you something today. 
instead of saying, God, give me something. Because sometimes we want to say, God, I want you to do this, this, and this. And we have a list of things that we want God to do in our lives. But in times of worship, in times of prayer, I want us to come with an attitude. I got something for you, right? I got something to bring you and it's going to be good. If, you, if, if you've ever been married and you have this gift for your spouse and, and, and you want to bring this gift to your spouse, all day you're excited to bring this gift. And in the same way, in our worship, in our, in our living, understanding that Jesus is right here, that our prayers are not these robotic prayers that we're praying into a distance. We're praying to God right here in the room when we have a need and we, we need God. He's right here. And in our worship and on the lifting of our voice, I want you to sing, pray, and live like God is right next to you. Because he is. He wants to empower your life in that way. Amen? Amen. At this time, Alan's going to come up and receive offering. And as we prepare. Good morning. Man, just tell the person next to you, good morning. Tell the person you picked second, good morning, and sorry for picking you second. Yeah, right? Especially if it's your spouse. <laughs> if you're new or newer here, my name is John. Welcome to Hill City. And we have a guest center right outside with information uh, about our church, about our groups, uh, our community opportunities where we serve, and uh, just taking next steps of your faith. And I, I think it'd be just uh, great to go out there, get some information. 
As a, and today we're uh, continuing on in, in our theme, and you can see it. It's right there. What, what does it say right there? Bold moves. That, that's what we're doing. 2018, for you and I and as our, for our church together, it's not, not for a building, for us as a community, a family of God, we are making some bold moves. In life, you can make little tweaks hoping for big changes, but sometimes you got to just stop and make a bold move and say, you know what, no more of this. You have to make a bold stance. And, and that's what we're doing. We're making a bold move, a bold stance. And, and here's a thought, and here's a thought, and this is something that I think about um, often, actually. I, what if, and just think with me, just all eyes on me for one moment. What if, I'm going to pause for a moment, and I want you to drink this all in. What if God chose to answer all your prayers today? What if God chose to answer all your prayers today? I mean, he just wanted to move on your behalf. All those things that you thought about, all those things that you desire, right? From the job that you want, from the finances, from the opportunities, from sickness, all these things. What if God chose to move on our behalf? And I want to ask this question. Could we handle it? Could we handle it? Could we handle the blessings of God? Would we use the things that God chooses to bless us with and use it for the good of others, good of our community, good of our workplace, good of our families, good of our enemies, good of those who are not us? Would we choose to make our world better, our community better, our city better, our neighborhood better? Would we stay humble? Because a lot of times with blessing, it reveals a lot of things in your life, right? Not buying into your own hype. Because one thing I do believe about God, and he speaks to us, is I believe God is ready to pour out his blessing, his love, his power, his miracles. But he is waiting for me. He's waiting for you to be ready. Right? It's not like you give the keys to your car. That If I gave my keys to my car to my son, it would be a bad move. He would damage a lot of people. Is a, a brand new car a blessing? Absolutely. Would you give it to a, a six-year-old? No, absolutely not. He would cause so much damage on himself and in others. And in the same way, if God would bless our lives, would we be damaged or would we be people of blessing? Would we make our world better? Can he trust us? He's waiting for us, our obedience to match our faith, our character to match our gifting, our passion to match his mission. Can we be trusted with his blessing, his power, his influence, and with the people that he loves? With that in mind, let's go in our Bibles, our Bible apps, to Matthew 25. All right, I'm going to say that again. We, we actually, like, we celebrate the word of God because it reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives. So we're going to Matthew 25. All right, and today's message is called Bold Risk, Bold Risk, Bold Risk. I want to start by defining risk, and then we're going to go from there. Risk is an action that exposes you to loss. 
Risk is an action that exposes you to loss. The loss of money, the loss of time, the loss of opportunity, and even the loss of your life and the loss of health. Yet there are big risks and small ones. Some risk meaning that you will have egg on your face, you will look silly, you will look the fool or be rejected, and the other risks are bigger than that. You'll have to start over, you'll have to face a setback, or it could literally damage your life for a long time or forever. But here's the truth about our lives and about your life and about mine. We have to risk to move forward. Isn't that true? We do. No matter what, you have to risk to move forward. Nothing just automatically happens. If we are living our lives hoping that it will just take us somewhere, it will take us nowhere. We'll live in, in, in arrested development. That's the worst thing for some of us. Some, we, if we feel like we're at the same place we were last year and the year before and the year before, there's something innately in us that knows something's wrong. Isn't that true? I don't care if you believe or in God or not. Arrested development is very, very painful. It makes you crazy. I believe that is the purpose that God has placed in all of our hearts. That's the spirit of God that has been placed in all of our hearts that tells us that you and I are made for more. You and I are made for more. There are moments that you can't play it safe. If you want to make an impact on your life, on others for Christ, you have to risk. And let me distinguish foolish risk and faithful risk because you, I'm not telling you go out and, like, do dumb stuff and play with snakes. You know, you watch those, uh, those, uh, like, those shows on, like, Christianity and, like, the, I don't know, in the Midwest somewhere and they're playing with snakes. I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do, like, oh, that's a good idea. No, that's not a good idea. That's foolish risk, right? But foolish risk versus faithful risk, both of them will cost you. Both of them will cost you, yet one of them will please God. The others will not. Foolish risk is actually forbidden in the Bible. It says, don't do that. That's dumb, right? In the book of Proverbs, it says it's a book about don't be a fool. Don't live a foolish life. This is how you live your life, right? And yet faithful risk is, also, is needed. We see people in the Bible that put themselves in harm's way to obey God. They do, like Paul like Daniel, like anyone in, in the way, David and Goliath, right? That if it, it, they put themselves in the way, in harm's way to obey God, that if he got into your life, that, he, that, that he, if he put you there, he's going to get you out of there. It's a trust in God. Now, John, how do you distinguish foolish risk and faithful risk? When do I take risk with my money, with my things, with, my, with, my, with myself, with my emotions, with my life, with my family? And when do I not, John? And let me be honest, there's no cookie-cutter answer. It's not A plus B equals C, right? Or A squared plus B squared equals C squared, right? It's not, it's not that. Let me, there's no cookie-cutter answer. But we must seek God in prayer. It's an act. It's a walk with obedience, believing that God is right with us, and we should ask him. And I was talking about sometimes we, we live life like God is not there. We live like life like God is far away. We pray prayers like, like robots, and hopefully it's just it's something that we do. But what if we changed the way we think and we started to pray like God was in the room? We started to live and ask him, what do you want me to do today, God? What do you have for me today? What is your desire for my life today? What if we started being obedient and, and then moving, taking actions in God? I believe obedience is so important in taking bold risks for God. And we need to hear his voice. And the better way to hear, the way we hear his voice is by actually asking for him to speak to us. 
And the more we do that, the more we will hear his voice in our lives today. Yet faith is not easy. Everyone knows that. Faith is not easy. It's only easy up to like the age six, right? right? Where every answer is the word Jesus in, Sunday, in, in church or in Sunday school, right? Faith is not easy, nor does it mean safety. I, I remember, uh, I, I, so we had, a, we had a setup here that looked like the scene in the Chronicles of Narnia today. So we had to change it around to look like this but we have I'm, this is set up for the chronicles of narnia the the stage was i was like perfect but I, it, the funny thing was uh, in the book the chronicles uh, in the first book the lion the witch and the wardrobe c.s lewis writes about this character in the in in his book aslan does anyone know who aslan is it's like this giant lion face right is Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia. And you can put that slide up, right? And, 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 and in that, there's this, Aslan is a type of Jesus. And, and, and there's a moment where Susan, one of the girls, starts to talk about Aslan. It says, Aslan uh, is a lion. And, he's, and this is Mr. Beaver, and I'm sorry I'm talking in, in Beaver characters, right? But Aslan is the lion, and he's the lion, the great lion. Oh, Susan said. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And this is how he responds. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good, and he's the king, I tell you. And in the same way, living for God, living for Christ is not always safe. I mean, our Savior died on the cross for us out of obedience to God. Jesus is not always safe. But I want to tell you, he's good, and he's the king, and you can trust him. He's good, he's the king, and you can trust him. Because the goal of life is not to arrive safely at death. I'm telling you, if you want to live, if we are living our life just to arrive safely at death, you will not like your life. Because we will not take risk in, in order to watch out for everything, right? But it, the, the, the goal of life is not that, but to live out our purpose. God has placed purpose in us, trusting God with our lives by faith in step with the Spirit of God, the one we were singing about today. Now, Matthew 25, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God in this parable. And it's the parable of the talents. He's speaking about the kingdom of God, what it looks like to live for God, what it looks like for what God has placed in you and I. And, and it says, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. And I'm going to read it. It's a lot of verses, but I'm going to read it fast, all right? Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So there is a master and there's a servant. And this master is entrusting property to them. And of course, he's talking about himself and us, right? And Jesus will go on this journey, but he's coming back to, uh, to see us. And verse 15, to one servant, he gave five talents of money. And five talents, think of that as a million dollars. It's a lot of money. Imagine someone giving you a million dollars. Imagine your boss giving you a million dollars today. Right? You're like, that'd be nice. I'd buy, uh, maybe I'll buy something for myself. Maybe I'll buy one car. No, that's a bad idea, right? So it's like a million dollars. To another, two talents, that's half a million dollars. To another, one talent, that's $250,000, each according to their ability. God gives to us according to our ability of obedience, all right? 
And, and, and so then he went on his journey. Verse 16, the servant who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Verse 17, so also the one with two talents gained two more. But the one man, the, the man who had received one talent went off. And what does it say up there? He dug a hole, right, in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse, verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and to settle the accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five and said, Master, he said, you've entrusted with five talents. You entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Man, this is a huge verse. You've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. And this is true about everything in life. As you trust your children, you put them more in charge. Some of us, we have a 12-year-old that we can trust to leave at home, right? Or a 13-year-old. We can, some of us, we have an 18-year-old we cannot trust to leave at home, all right? Because we have trusted him with a few things, and we're like, nah, no way, right? And, he, and it says, come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Here's two, and the same thing happens. The, he's, here's two more. I gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24, then the man who have received one talent. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. Verse 25, so I, I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I did not sow and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, you would receive it back with interest. Take that talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. Verse 29, for everyone who has will be given more and he who will have an abundance uh, and whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. And now throw that worthless servant out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm like, that just got serious real fast. Now, what can we learn from this moment, from this parable, from what Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God? We can, and, and what must we understand about our lives and God in our lives? And, and number one, I wrote, you have a master. You and I, we are not our own masters. We have a master's. You are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. I know we do. I know we live in a culture. I want to do, you know, uh, Terrell Owens. I love me some me, right? We live in the I love me some me culture. But you have a master. You don't own yourself. You know it. And you have responsibilities. Listen to this. When I got married, and uh, my mother-in-law's here, so now I can talk. I, I don't want, I want to say nice things to my wife so that she doesn't keep it over my head for decades. No, I'm just kidding. But when, you got, you, when I got married, I was young and dumb, right? And Candace will agree. You can't shake your head. Uh, cut this part. No, I'm just kidding. When I was, I was young and dumb, and I loved marriage, but I still loved the single life, right? I wanted all the benefits of married life, without the responsibilities of married life. I wanted to, I, I, every weekend I would go snowboarding, every weekend. Sometimes I would take off on Friday, I'd come back home, I'd take off on Saturday, and then I'd stay up there Saturday night, and I'd come home late, and I'm like, that's cool, right, Candace? And, and in the beginning, she thought she would have to agree with that, so I was like, this is the life, right? <laughs> 
So I loved the single life without the I, I would go snowboarding every week and I'd play video games till three in the morning and I'd be like, Candace, you're cool with that, right? And I can't believe she agreed sometimes. She totally lied in my face. So she was like, maybe. But as I grew in marriage, in month number two, it didn't work out that way anymore, right? That's not how marriage works. You have responsibility to another, to the other. You made vows to keep, right? Marriage changes your priorities and reorders your life. Isn't that absolutely true? And if you want to play the single life, stay single. Don't mess up someone else, right? So your, the benefits come with responsibility, but this is also true about our faith and our walk with God. John 14, 15 says this. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And I used to think, oh, God, it's because you need me, right? Because I'm so, you know, I'm pretty awesome. You must need me. But as I matured and I started looking at my life, like who wants a crazy, like, sinner and like, messed up brain who thinks they can go snowboarding every weekend and play video games till three, right? Who would want someone like that on their team, right? God does not need you. I want to put that out there. God does not need you. He wants you. Man, drink that in. I know, I know. Who wouldn't want you, right? Who wouldn't want you? But God does not need me. He wants me. And his commands are not mainly for his benefit, but for mine. I want to say this about worship. You know why we sing and we worship God here? We think, oh, it's just a part of what Christians do. And it, yes, true. But you know who needs worship more than God? We do. Man, you want to be free in your soul? There's some weight on your life. You want to get that weight off you? Man, just release. Start praising God and stop looking at your life and saying that is the central focus of your life. And when we start releasing our praise other than ourselves, there is a levity. There is a lightness. There is a strength that comes over. The person who needs worship is not God. He does, yeah, he wants your worship. He desires worship. He deserves your worship. But the person who needs your worship is you. You were made to worship. You were made to worship God. And in the same way, the person who needs the commands of God is not him. The people who need the commands of God are us right here. His commands are for our benefit. It's for me to help me live a life full of what God has put in me. Obedience is the best thing for me and for you. It is. It's beautiful. Responsibility is hard, but it's the best thing for you. In marriage, at work, in faith, you and I have a master, and that's a great thing. We have a good, good master. We have, he is good. He's the truth. He's the king, I tell you. Number two, don't bury your gifts. Don't be the dude who buries his gifts. Make good use of what you've been given. You're like, I don't have no gifts. You have tons, man. Don't bury the things that God has placed in you. Don't bury your gifts. God expects us to use our gifts and our talents. Talents meaning our time, our, our talents, our giftings, and our treasures. We all have time, giftings, and treasures. And it's so true. We all have different gifts and abilities. Some of you guys, you guys can fix anything. I cannot. Right? Something goes wrong in my house, and I, I'm like, how do you do this? Then, like, someone, like, someone will come over, and they'll be like, you turn it on, John. I'm like, 
I didn't see that. You know why? Because I'm not made that way. <laughs> I, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, and I, I'm not even making eye contact with my mother-in-law right now because my garage is broken. The water pressure in my house is like, it's not even working. I'm like taking a shower, like pouring like drips of water. I'm like, uh, something's wrong. And, uh, and, and my wife looks at me because we're both not uh, mechanical. We're like, do something. I'm like, I, I am. I'm trying to call somebody. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm lost, right? I don't have those talents. Some of us, we're great at fixing things. Some of us are great at numbers. Some of us are great with finances, with money. Some of us are great at getting, you know, at relationship. When someone's bad at relationship, don't ask them about relationship. Sometimes we ask our single friends about a relationship. They are not ones to ask, right? You know why they're single? Because they're bad at relationship, right? Don't ask single people about marriage. They have no idea. They'll say, snowboarding is a great idea, John. You should go every weekend with me, right? So don't ask them. Some of us, we're good at business. Some are our leaders. Some are generous. We are so good at being generous. God has called us to be generous. Some are good at encouragement. Some are creative. We all have talents that we are born with, and we have talents that are developing as we are living. But all of those gifts are from God, and God expects us to use it. God expects us to use the gift that he has placed in us. Do not hold back your gifting. Do not hold it back. And as you use your gift for the glory of God and for the joy of others, God will double down on you. What was going on? They said, look what I did. God's like, good. Here's some more. You are faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you faithful in much. And, but you got to be trustworthy, right? We got to be those who use our giftings. Matthew 16, 21 says, the, Matthew, uh, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. And then right after he says, come, enjoy, enjoy my happiness. Let's party, man. Let's party. Let's see how this works out. Faithfulness matters. Say that with me. Faithfulness matters. I'm going to say it. Say it loud. Faithfulness matters in every area of life. At work, faithfulness matters. At home, faithfulness matters. For your kids, faithfulness matters. In your friendships, no one likes a friend that's up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. No one likes that. If you're like that, you got to change it, man. And your friends might not tell you because you're up and down and up and down. And they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to get when I ask. Tell them, like, you're crazy, right? But, but you got to be faithful. You got to, faithfulness matters. It matters in the gym, i.e. myself, right? I'm like, sometimes I'm great and then I'm, I can, like, control diet and working out and faith, be faithful in it. Sometimes I cannot and ta-da, Right? What else? When you're on a softball team, basketball team, when you're in a church family, faithfulness matters. If you said you're going to do something, do something. If you're going to say you're going to be there, be there. Faithfulness matters. Be faithful because that's where God has you. Don't call this spiritual things and this not spiritual things. They're all spiritual and they're all faithful to God. Faithfulness matters. Be faithful where God has you. The opportunities God's, God has given you to grow, which leads to more opportunities. You want more opportunities in your life? Take care of the opportunities that you have now. It's, it's beautiful, right? Which, to make a difference. Listen, we're not equally talented. It's true. Some have five talents. Some have two talents. Some have one. 
according to the abilities. Some are given less, but we are all responsible for what we have in our lives. We are responsible for the things that we have, the talents we have, and the time that we have. Don't get caught up comparing. Comparing is no good for nobody. There's no end to comparing because we only compare down. We only compare up, right? For we only compare to those who have more. Listen, you are the richest civilization that has ever been on planet Earth. You eat like kings have never eaten before. You live in homes that have never lived like we have. No one has ever lived like this before. And guess what we do? We compare like, uh, but their house is bigger than mine. You live better than kings, my friends. We live. We eat steaks and, and, and whatever we want. We can go to the place, go to the supermarket, or, and we can get whatever we want. It has never been like this in the history of the world. Think about that. And yet we still compare. Look at them. I bet they're happier than me because they got more stuff, right? Stop comparing. Take what you got in your life and thank God for it because it's never been like this ever in the history of the world before. Think of it that way. Think of how much, how many talents God has put in your life, how many opportunities, how many giftings, how much time, and how much finances, whatever God has placed in us. Let us not compare. Let us understand who we are, where we are, and if we understand that, can we be faithful to the opportunities and to the life God has given us? Because comparing keeps you in arrested development. It does. Man, drink that in. Oh, thank you, John. You're welcome. Number three, to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. To step towards your destiny, you got to step away from your security. Has anyone ever done a ropes course with their, uh, with their like, workplace? Right, some of us, yeah, you had a halfway, halfway upper card. Okay, a couple of us. All right, I, I like to call that military stuff, right? So that I did a ropes course up in, uh, in, um, Winter Park, and, and there was this one thing that we did. It was a ladder, and it, you, were, you were tied in, and you were with a teammate, and this ladder was easy. It was like, oh, it was like up to here. I can get to the next rung, and then the rung would get a little wider. I can get to the next one. You'd do a pull-up. But at the end, the rung would be way high, and you would need your teammate to get you to the next rung. And then you would have to pull your teammate up, and you would need each other. And I was like, oh, th that was hard. Like, I was really gassed. But then at the end of the ropes course, there was this thing. You climbed up on top of a telephone pole, and you would have to jump onto a trapeze. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm a 220-pound dude. You want me to climb a telephone pole and then get onto the top of it and stand? And you are like 30 feet up, and then you jump onto a trapeze, and, th and that's the win? I was like, uh... So I'm like climbing up the telephone pole. I'm like, ah, oh, don't do it, John. <laughs> right? Oh, this is going to be the worst. And, I, and, and it's crazy. And I, I, I failed. I fell. Right? Because I, I didn't really take a good leap because of fear. Have you ever seen someone take a fearful leap? It's like the lamest thing ever. It's like, you, you just know they're going to fall, right? And instead of being full, because you had to be full out to catch the trapeze. You couldn't, like, catch it here. You had to be fully extended. And sometimes God wants us, takes us to a place where we are fully extended in trusting him, and we got to leap and hold on tight. And, I, and I, I learned something that day. I, I was like, man, I'm really fearful. I'm really fearful about this. And, and, but, but at some point in all of our lives, we got to learn to fully extend and leap. That God will call us to a place or put us in hardship. 
God loves us so much that he will put us in hardship or he will, he will even hurt us. God will break your hands so that we won't hold on to the sin that one day might drive you to your, to your end, that one day might kill you. It could be addiction. God will put things and people in the way. It could be your own pride. But God will hurt us to, that, to save us from hurting ourselves, for killing ourselves, from ending ourselves. I know it's so hard to say. But when looking back in life, sometimes you're like, man, you were saving me right there. You were saving me. Because sometimes we need to take a leap of faith and hold on tight. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him, trust him with our talents, our time, our gifting, and our treasure. So number one, you have a master. You, don't own, you, you are not your own. Number two, don't bury your gift. Make good use of the time and the life and the talents you are given. And number three, to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. You have to leap. Now, how about us? How does that work out? What are you doing? And what am I doing? And I want us to just bow our heads for a moment. And I want us to think. I want us to look within. What are we doing with the time, the talents, and the treasure that we have been given? And I want us to stop comparing just for a moment. Just for a moment. Because the comparison trap never ends. What would God say to you or have been saying to you already? Things in your life that he wants you to leap or he wants you to stop. Some of us, we already know that we are too comfortable and we've been burying the gifts of God, the talent of God. We dug a hole and we buried it and we said, God, do something. And God's like... I already gave you the gift. You do something, and I will work through that. We've ignored when God has been speaking to us, and his voice becomes more quieter, quieter, and quieter. I want to ask you to be bold, take a risk, and step out. As you trust God, some of you will share your faith. God has given you opportunity and favor with people, maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, a neighbor, or the dude at the gym. I don't know the outcome. The outcome might be rejection, but you need to be obedient over, over, over just the feelings that we have and step out. Some of us, we need to deal with our past. We keep looking at it and we bury it and we hope it goes away. Guess what? It never goes away. Our past is like a seed. It will continue to grow until we deal with it. Hate is like a seed. It will continue to grow. Jealousy, pain, abuse. We got to deal with it and take it to Jesus out of obedience. Some of you, you're going to serve. Serve at Hill City as a greeter or on the setup team. Some of you, we're going to serve our elderly neighbors in our neighborhood or at the food bank. Or you're gonna, if you're good at fixing things, you're going to fix things with 5 to 10% of your time. You're going to give that away because you represent Christ. If you're an accountant, you're going to give your time away because you represent Christ. Serve at a food bank, serve at your school, but you're going to invest your time like you represent God and that he has given you that time. 
Some of you, you're going to be generous. You're going to meet someone's need, and you're going to give open-handedly. You're not going to figure everything out. You're just going to be obedient. Some of us, we're going to learn to tithe, maybe even for the first time in our life. We thought about it, and we're like, we've, we've been afraid of it, but we're going to say, I'm going to step in and be obedient, God. You're choosing to trust God with the finances. You're taking a leap. Some of us, we're going to step out and start a life group. But yes is hard, and it might start with three people, but three, four, five, six, a year from now, you're going to look back and say, thank you, God, because this is my favorite day of the week where I pour my life out into others and share in God's word in his life, growing spiritually together. You love it. Some of you, you're going to start a business. Others, you're going to finally get married. Some of you, there's some things that have been burning inside of you for a long time, but it seems too hard. How can I do this? But you know God has put that conviction and that burden in you, and you're going to step out in faith and obedience. I just wonder, what would our world look like? What would our community look like? What would this room look like if just... 50 of us chose to take a risk and choose to trust God and be bold in obedience, caring about the next generation. What would it look like if we said, God, I trust you over I trust me, God. I have a master. I will not bury my talents and I will step out caring about the next generation, caring about our community, caring about our workplace, our families, our schools. I believe we'd make a radical, radical impact. Imagine with me if all of us in this room just took one step towards God and said, all right, I trust you. I trust you with my life and not, I'm not going to look at the outcome. And then we take one more step. I trust you. You are my master. I will not bury my life hoping that you can change everything, but you are waiting for me to invest it. I believe we could impact this community of Thornton. In the book, All In, Mark Batterson writes, Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's normal. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's time to leave. Let's stand. With our heads bowed, if you're in this room and you know that you are far from God and, and, when, and that you have not made God your master, you have mastered your own life and you need to make a change, you need to make a stand for him today out of obedience to Christ. He's been speaking to your heart. If that's you, just raise your hands. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hands. I need to be obedient. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every hand that went up, Lord God. I pray for obedience, Lord. It's better than sacrifice, Lord God. You desire for us just to hear your voice and then to move, Lord God. I pray that the church of Jesus, the people of God who claim that you are their master, that we would be obedient to the things that we have put in our lives and we would follow you, run after you, knowing that we have been forgiven and saved by you, by the work of the cross, Lord God. We are obedient you, God. And for the rest of us in here, Lord God, for those who are Christians in this room, I pray, Lord God, we have a master. Let us not bury our talent, and it's time to take a leap. 
We thank you. We love you. And as we leave today, it's not about what happens in this moment. It's what happens between Monday to Saturday, Lord God, the way we live our life. Obedience is not church, Lord, attendance. Obedience is living a life for Christ, Lord God, with our whole life. I pray that be us today. And let us answer your voice today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Get to know one another. Man, love you guys. And I can't wait to see what God does through you as he doubled down.